Turn your Bibles, please, to the book of Exodus. We've been looking at this particular text, and I'm not going to be before you long. We have our gathering tonight as well, and so I just want to set the stage and and, and share with you my heart and and belief that you'll get this word. Um, In Exodus chapter 14, um, this is really talking about the crossing of the Red Sea, or as some theologian says, the Reed Sea. but in our Bibles, it's, it's, uh, it's the Red Sea. And so in Exodus chapter 14, uh, we're just going to read verse 15. And um, if it's on the screen, that would be awesome. We'd get on there as well. Exodus 14, verse 15. And it's really talking about how do we go forward uh, with the power of vision and with understanding sight, how do you go forward? And here is the word of the Lord. Um, so with that mustard seed faith, Uh, Here's what he's saying. The Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Um, I mean, it's obvious, God. I'm crying to you because we're surrounded. And the people are asking me what to do. Um, Isn't it amazing when God asks you a question like, God, what, you can't see? Why do you cry to me? God, you know all my thoughts. And yet you're asking me, why do I cry to me? Don't you see? And then he says, tell the people of Israel to go forward. We can also add, tell the nation of America to go forward. Come on. This is to the church in America. That God is speaking and says, why are you crying to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. We ask for your direction and your presence to be upon it. In Jesus' name, amen. So how many are familiar with the Exodus account, the Exodus event? Um, it, it should be an event that you should be familiar with because in the next coming weeks, we're going to be celebrating um, Easter. And so you have to understand Passover to get to understand that. So culturally, it's called Easter, but biblically, it's known as the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And there's a reason we have to make the change. I'm not knocking Easter. I mean, it's the Roman name they gave for it and that kind of stuff. And so please understand when I say that, don't get like, oh, my gosh, he's a religious guy. I'm not saying that. But you need to understand theology to understand your freedom, right? You have to understand God to understand your freedom. And so really what it is, what we're coming into is really the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So we're coming to the climax of your freedom. And so we have a picture of it here in the Old Testament. So in Exodus chapter 14, really you want to start from chapter 13. If you ever um, have some time, I want you to read the entire account in Exodus chapter 14. Because here's the deal. To enter into your promise, when you write this down, to enter into your promise, you have to understand that there are giants in the land. So when God gave you a promise, so let's say you got together and you got married. And God is in the covenant of marriage. To enter into the fullness of that promise, there are giants you're going to have to fight. God promised you a financial blessing to walk into it. There are giants you have to fight. If someone tells you there's no giants to fight, then they don't read their Bible. And they're actually being cruel to you, not preparing you for this life that's ahead. And so there are giants that you have to fight. But what I want you to understand is that when we look at the Exodus account, 
if we don't understand our freedom from Exodus, you'll never understand how to take your giants out in the book of Numbers. And that's why we're spending our time here, because both the, the Exodus account, the crossing of the Red Sea, and also the taking of territory requires you to have the power of vision. It requires that. I want to encourage you to get a vision for your life. I want to encourage that. I had the honor and the privilege of, of going to the singles uh, book club. It was awesome. It was really good. And, and I strongly recommend that, 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 that uh, my plug for it is this, is that uh, in the late Dr. Miles Bernal, he, he shared this with me. He says, before you can get married, you have to understand what it means to be single. <laughs> right? So people get married and say, okay, you're going to complete me. And that's not even biblical. You don't get married for somebody to complete you. That's Hallmark. That, that, that's Hallmark. You know what I mean? Like, you complete me, right? That's, that's, that's Hallmark. That's not Bible. Because what happens then, you're going to require from that person what they can't give you. Are you with me? So you have to understand what it means to really be single first. And then you become a whole. <laughs> that's what he says, right? That's what the Bible says. And so part of it being there was because we have to understand that, that to face our giants, we have to recognize who we are in Christ. Who we are in Christ. And so in this particular um, account, in this, in this event of Exodus, we're seeing God give a, a command. He's telling Moses to tell the people to, to go forward. And, and to go forward, it's really this. You have to have a vision for your life. You have to. You have to have a vision for your life. And that's why on Wednesday, we're going to be having a session for those who are interested to come because, because this is so important. Because if you don't have vision for your life and see the exodus and the crossing of the Red Sea, you're going to enter into a promise, right? And I'm going to jump ahead, but it's interesting. If you read Deuteronomy, it actually says why they didn't, the first generation, why they didn't enter into the promised land. In Deuteronomy, I believe in chapter 6, uh, there's, there, there is something there, or Deuteronomy chapter 1 or chapter 6, um, um, God actually explains, or Moses explained it. Here's the reason why the first generation didn't enter into their promise. Here's what it says. They hated God. My daughter used to say that. You hate me. You know what I mean? Like, you know, and, and so they literally said, God, we hate you. How dare you take us out of the land of Egypt and bring us in this promised land? We have to face giants. The grapes were in one hand. The giants were in their sight. And they said, God, you hate us. That's what he said. And a generation died in the wilderness because they had no vision. Sight, but no vision. And so we're going all the way back to Exodus to look at this because I'm going to encourage you right now that one of the greatest things that you must do, again, if you're an employer or an employee, if, if you're married, the question needs to be, what's your vision? Where are you taking me? That's a fair question to ask. It's actually a biblical question to ask. It's actually your responsibility to ask that question. Where are you taking me? It's a great question to ask. It's a great question to ask. Where are you taking me? Because that's where this group of people who came out of bondage, came out of Egypt, they were saying, Moses, where are you taking us? 
And if you read the entire account, you will see what they said, that they were actually saying things. They were actually rehearsing the curse. They were actually keeping themselves in bondage. Why? Based on their sight, not based on vision. And so could it be that we find ourselves in situations because of sight, not vision? And so what he's saying to us is this, that this word go forward is about vision. Forward thinking, write this down, forward thinking is about goal setting. But to go forward is about vision for your life. Vision for your life. And so really, what should that vision be? The vision should be of who God is. In this particular account, and I said to you, and the takeaway from all of these messages I've been preaching, this is the takeaway. If there's one thing you want to be able to say, this is it. This is what the Spirit of the Lord God has been saying through Pastor Rowe through us as a church corporately, but it's as an individual. I mean, gather your family together. Gather people that are important to you or get yourself together and ask this question. God, give me a vision of who you are. Of who you are. It's in this event. In the crossing of the Red Sea, it is so clear that God reveals through vision of who he is. It's clear through it. And the purpose for your life. That is so important because what we're going to see here real quickly is that we're going to see that the children of Israel found themselves in the place where God led them to. That God led them to a place where they looked and they were like, God, why are we here? In other words, why did you bring us here? What is the purpose for your life? And number three, and the plans he has for you. My goodness, if you want to be bold, write that out and put that on your fridge. Talk that over your children. God's vision for your life. So important. So, so important. So here it is now. So, so, so in this account, what we're going to see is number one, number one, to go forward and to be able to say, I've got a vision of who God is. The first thing we want to see is see the goodness of God. You have to see the goodness of God. You have to make sure your eyes through vision is fixed on the goodness of God. So in Exodus chapter 13, verse 17, it says this, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not Lead them by the way of the land of the Philistine, although that was near. For God said, lest the people do what? Change their minds when they see war and do what? Return back to Egypt. In other words, it says when they face war. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're sight. It means that when they're confronted with this enemy called the Philistines, these individuals have never fought before. So how do you know when you've seen the goodness of God? Thanks for asking that question. How do you know? Preacher, how do I know when I've seen the goodness of God? That's a great question. The first one is this. You will know the goodness of God. You will see the goodness of God because you will get a revelation, write this down, that God protects you from fights you are not ready to fight. (laughs) Yeah, don't, don't, don't mess with that. But don't you hear what they're saying about me? Don't mess with that. God is going to protect you from fights. You're not ready to fight yet. Why? You might still be in the flesh. You might still be wounded. You might still be going through something. And if you try to engage in that battle prematurely, you're going to get discouraged. You're going to be defeated and going to right back to the world's culture again. God, I want revenge. No, no, no. You want me to be the one that gives vengeance. Come on. 
And so he's saying, you have been through so much things that he brings them out. They experience this move of location. But God is saying, you're not ready to fight. So God says, see my goodness in the things I protect you from fighting. Come on. Fights we've engaged in. God said, I didn't tell you to fight that battle. You aren't ready for that battle yet. So in other words, God sets you free from alcohol, sets you free from addiction. And all of a sudden, we want to run back in and save everybody. And God's like, whoa, 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 whoa. No. You got to see who I am first. Come on. Because you walk back right in that thing and then he said, I've been waiting for you. Come on. I've been waiting for you. Oh, you thought you were ready. He goes, no, no, no. You got to learn to mature. You got to learn to be discipled. There are things that God says, you got to get to a, a certain level, a certain understanding first. Why? Because I love you. God's delay is not his denial. It could be your protection. Thank you for the three hand claps right there. So the goodness of God means he protects me from things, from fights. He protects me from fights. That I'm not ready for. Wow. Wow. To see the goodness of God. And he says, because why? They will change their minds. How many people you know? Come on. They, they, they're, they're double-minded. They're, they're this one day and, and this the next day. And they're this one day and they're that next day. And because they're faced with things that they're not prepared for. And here's the deal. You have to trust God that he knows what you need. You have to trust God that he knows what you need. Protect from the fight we are not ready for. So in the Exodus account, in them coming out of Egypt, the first thing he wants them to understand is, number one, I'm leading you. I have a vision. I know where I'm taking you. But I'm going to protect you from fights we are not ready for. The second thing about the goodness of God is his travel insurance. I call it the travel insurance. I worked for a company. It was Mutual of Omaha. And if you traveled, you would get travel insurance in case anything happened. And so in the Bible, the travel insurance is this, because God wants you to be able to say, God, I'm going to follow you. And so in Exodus 13, verse 21 to verse 22, it says, And the Lord went before them by day in a what? Pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night a pillar of fire to give them light. A pillar of what? Fire to give them light. That they may travel how? By day and by night. In other words, I'm always ready for God's goodness. I move because of God's goodness. That's when I move because of God's goodness. And so this pillar of fire and what is God is saying is that he's given them a visible uh, uh, opportunity to see his presence that if it moves, I move. If it stays, I stay. There's a difference between staying and being stuck. Right? There's a big difference. And so we have to understand that we're not stuck because God has given us travel insurance. And I don't know about you, but there are times I'm driving my car and I know it was an angel. I know it was God who saved me. Come on, from that wreck. I know it was God that put his hands on me. Can somebody give God praise and glory for the freedom because of the travel insurance that God is with us wherever we go? That's where we must be people of prayer. Always praying and saying, God. The third thing about seeing God's goodness, right? You have to ask for his presence. <laughs> The goodness of God, you have to ask for God's presence. And so it says here, watch this now in Exodus 33, verse 18 to verse 20. Exodus 33, verse 18 to verse 20. If we can get that on the screen, that would be awesome. Exodus 33, verse 18 to 20. And so here's Moses now. And Moses makes his bold request. Moses says in verse 18, please show me your glory. 
Please show me your glory. Open up my eyes so I can see you, God. Show me your glory. The glory of God is the goodness of God. We're going to see in this text right here. Because Moses says, God, please show me your glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But he says, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. Old Testament. Can we bring Jesus into the picture, by the way? (laughs) Because everything is about Jesus. Write that down. Everything is about Jesus. So here he's telling them, Moses, in this particular situation, my presence is showing up and you're going to see my goodness. But wait till you see. Oh, my goodness. And so that's why John said, we beheld this glory, the glory as only begotten of the father. Right. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld what? His glory. So when he's saying, please show me your glory, that was Moses. But now as believers in Christ, the glory of God lives in you because Christ in you is the hope of glory. So where Moses couldn't see God because he would die, we get to experience Christ. Hallelujah. So if Moses, when he just saw the back parts of God, his face was shining. Can you imagine what you and I are supposed to look like now that Christ lives in us? The enemy's biggest weapon is to try to rob you of your identity. He says they can't see the goodness of God if they don't know who they are. See the goodness of God. Can you see the goodness of God in your marriage? Can you see the goodness of God in your children? Can you see the goodness of God everywhere you go? It begins like that. You can't go forward. And the first thing God wanted them to understand was this. You've experienced over 400 years of slavery, and I'm not going to show you what it means to experience the goodness of God. Perhaps they thought, God, you forgot about me. But God's like, no, I didn't. So that's the first thing. First thing is to see the goodness of God. The second thing, if you're going to go forward, is you have to see the big picture. You have to see the big picture. Remember I told you, you have to have a vision for your life. And so if someone says, what's the vision for your life? Number one, I want to see the goodness of God. I want to be able to see God's glory in my life. That's what I want. Because when I look around in my natural eyes, all I see is bad things. All I see is evil. I see wickedness. I see destruction in my children's life. And I want to see the goodness of God. That's where it starts. And that's why faith is so important. Why? Because your natural eyes are going to try to deceive you. And the enemy is going to bombard you with saying it's not worth it. And so you have to then come and see the big picture. You have to see the big picture. Whenever I'm talking to people, I always say, let me give you the 30,000 view. Let me take you to the view where you can see things from up here. And so you have to see the big picture. And so the big picture is this. In Exodus chapter 1 and 2, it says this. The Lord said to Moses, tell the people, verse 2 of Exodus 14, tell the people of Israel to turn back and encamp in front. And he's telling them to go back. And he says, I want you to encamp facing the sea. So see the big picture. The first thing is this, how do you look at detours that leads to dead end? And so when I was writing this down, I said, so what is a dead end sign? And it says that dead end signs are posted at the entrance of a road or street 
to let the driver know the path they are on ends in a dead end. Write that down. You're going to see what's going on here. So see the big picture. So, so they, God says, hey, Moses, take them back again. Turn them back around. So they're making progress. God says, come back. And so when we move back, don't lose the goodness of God. Don't, don't lose it. So you understand the goodness of God. Now he's moving you back to see the big picture. So what do I have? The goodness of God, number one, he protects me from fights I'm not ready for. Okay, that's good. Number two, I have travel insurance. So God is with me. I can see the visible signs that God is with me. Number three, his presence. I want to see his glory. So if I want to see his glory, God is going to manifest. And from that now, he takes us back. He brings us back. He says, I want you to face this. And all of a sudden, they're looking around, and they're like, it's a dead end. And so what came to my mind was when the, the property I went to take a look at. And God said, I want you to drive around that community. And I was driving around. And when I was driving around, guess what I keep seeing? Dead end signs. I said, God, what you talking about? When I was preparing this last night, God's like, remember? Remember I took you on a journey? Oh, come on, somebody. Remember I took you on a journey? And you physically saw dead end signs. And that's why God has said, I'm sending you right there. Oh, come on, somebody. Because he's saying, see the big picture. Oh, my goodness. Woo. We can get reports of all the things happening in Maryland and happening in your city and the increase of this and the increase of that. But God is saying, church, don't you look with sight. You better elevate. Look until the hell somewhere comes your help. You better see the big picture and understand it's for my glory. So I have a question for you. Who are you living for? Are you living for your life or are you living for the glory of God? The way I can tell is look at your calendar and show me creative events in your life. Look at your calendar. Your, look at your calendar and you can pinpoint this is where God encounters took place. And we need to physically do that. To get our calendars and look at your week and understand the enemy wants to bring you so much distractions because you're not going to be able to acknowledge God encounters. And so he's saying that elevating you to 20, 30,000 feet, you see it. So what does it look like when a detour leads to a dead end? Not only that, but there was no outlet signs. And this simply means there is no other exit. So in the picture of the Exodus, when God told Moses, tell him to turn back, they came into both a dead end and no exit. I want to paint a picture for it because you got to understand the goodness of God. Because here's the problem. Here's the problem. And I got convicted. I went to a prayer meeting on Thursday, and I got so convicted. And here's what the guy says. He goes, if you read the Bible... People who encountered God didn't leave feeling good. The people who encountered God didn't leave, oh, I feel good. They made me so comfortable. Oh, my goodness. They left knowing that God was good. And so we're trying to be compassionate by making you feel comfortable. And what we're doing is we're damaging the conviction you need to know that God is good. And so the culture has come and says, no, they won't show up. You don't make them feel comfortable. And so what we do then, we make you so comfortable, we can't bring up sin anymore. Ooh. And the very thing that is evil and is the enemy is sin. We have the enemy, come on, keeping you trapped right in. Oh, 
And so we live in the dead ends and we settle there because we're stuck. What can I do but be religious then? And we're in the dead end stuck because we're not seeing the big picture. And so when you see the big picture, you welcome conviction because God is good. Come on, somebody. And when you understand that God is good, you're like Isaiah. I saw the Lord high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. And I said, woe is me from a man of unclean lips. Come on. Can you imagine going to church service like that where everyone is saying, oh, my gosh, God, we see you high and lifted up. And your train filled TGP. And we all said, woe is me for all. I'm undone. I am a man, a woman of unclean lips, but I've seen the Lord. Oh, God. Mm, I've seen the Lord. I saw the big picture in the year that King Uzziah died. I saw the big picture. Angels are bowing before God, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Mark this down in the few moments I have left. There's coming a day when people are going to run to a church like that. And that's what we're going to faithfully commit to, that we are going to be a church where the presence of God has the priority, where we have a culture of prayer. Why? Because we love people too much not to show them the goodness of God and let them see the big picture. Every message you're hearing about prophecy, about end time, about eschatology, and all those things which we're going to be dealing with in the summer, because you have to understand the end time. But it doesn't make any sense me preparing you for the end times if your heart is not prepared to meet the one who's coming. It makes no sense me explain to you current events if your heart is not ready to meet your maker. Come on. And so we've got to be able to understand that God wants to reveal who he is because God is good. The Bible says, are you ready for this? Write this down. The goodness of God leads people to repentance. The goodness of God does that. People are led to repentance. So will you see the big picture? So how does this work? So here's how it works in my life. Here's how it's supposed to work in your life. And so I'm married. I said, Meg, um, you got to follow me as I'm following Christ. And I'm following you as you follow Christ. And so the question becomes, first and foremost, tell me about the goodness of God in your life. Because I know the enemy is trying to talk to you and tell you that God is not good. And after that, I said, okay, now, now let's see the big picture. Where does God want to take us as a family? Where does God want to take this business? And that's where faith comes in. Come on. And that is the important part is for you to be able to see that. Because if all you're seeing is a dead end, no outlet, you are people without hope. Are you seeing the big picture? Let me pray that you will see the big picture. Every situation that there's a conflict. Listen to me. Every situation where there's a conflict, someone is taking their eyes off Jesus. Somebody took their eyes off Jesus. But when we keep our eyes on Jesus, we will see the big picture. Someone say, see the big picture. See the big picture. See the big picture. So to go forward, I have to see the big picture. And so here it is. Um, the way, the problem is the way we see things. The way we see things. Now watch this now. Remember I said, Moses said, please show me your glory. This is good. Lock in with me. And he says, show me your glory. Now watch this. So in Romans 9, you're going to see God's purpose for Pharaoh. Please understand, there's no one equal with God. I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again. It's not good or bad, um, um, evil and good, um, right and wrong. God, nobody else. There isn't a comparison. So it's not God and the devil. What? And that's why we're stuck. 
The enemy's only weapon is a lie. That's it. But understanding God that even Pharaoh had a purpose. Oh, come on. That God was saying, trust my direction. Trust my direction. Trust what I'm doing. I'm going to get glory out of Pharaoh. Oh, my goodness. And so here's the deal. So they, it looks like a no outlet dead end to the people of Israel. And so Pharaoh said, if you read the story on, Pharaoh says, oh, my goodness, the wilderness has shut them in. In other words, what Pharaoh saw was people, he said, that they were cornered and confused. (laughs) Come on, God is sitting for the big picture. You got to see this thing. You got to see this. Pharaoh is saying, oh, man, we've got them. Here's what Pharaoh was after. This is what he was after. He was after the economy. We think economy means the transaction of money. Mm Mm-mm. No, no, no. The economy is the household. He was after the household. The people of Israel were building him stuff. And when God set them free, he could no longer use them to build his kingdom because now they're going to build God's kingdom. Some of the greatest people, creative people, are in the economy of the devil. And God is like, I'm going to call them out of that economy into the economy of the kingdom. That's what he wants to do. That's where God gets the glory. That's where God gets the glory. When he looks and he says, the uh, the enemy is saying, look, they are cornered and they are confused. And I don't know about you, but in life, you're going to see yourself sometimes feeling like I'm cornered and I'm confused. That's the way Pharaoh looked. And so because Pharaoh saw that, he says, let's go after them. And so he's going after them, right? And so here's the deal now. Now, they were all cool. They were all good. But all of a sudden, they looked up and they saw Pharaoh who was coming. And this is how it looks for us. Ready for this? When as the church, we look around in every direction, Exodus 14, verse 9, the Egyptians pursued them, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and his horsemen and his army overtook them. Encamped at the sea. And so we look around in every direction. And what do we see? We see that we are surrounded. What comes in? Fear comes in when our natural eyes steers, steers, continue to look at, continue to gaze upon things that don't fit what we thought they're supposed to be. In other words, in other words is this. They were here at the Red Sea. And they see Pharaoh's army coming, and they looked around, and everywhere they looked, they saw Pharaoh's army coming this way. They saw mountains on this side. They saw the Red Sea here. And so they believed what Pharaoh saw. Come on. They came in agreement with the enemy. Oh. Pharaoh is pursuing them because he thinks they're cornered and they're confused. And so the children of Israel, because of fear, came into the agreement with Pharaoh, right? They came in agreement with Pharaoh. So they came in agreement not by what they saw, but what it looked like. And it's amazing. God shows me, says, hey, you're going to take that territory. And the moment that happens, all hell starts breaking loose. Look around. Come on. 
The moment you decide, I'm going to do it God's way, all hell will break loose in your life. I'm not cussing. I'm telling about a reality. <laughs> it's going to come after you. And if you don't know the goodness of God, if you don't see the big picture, you will come in agreement. I will come in agreement with the lies of the enemy. Real quick testimony, and then I'm going I'm to end with this. Because we want to see the salvation of the Lord. That's the third thing. We want to see the salvation of the Lord. That's how the enemy works. I was telling the, the group we were at prayer. Um, my dad might be watching this. I know my mom is perhaps. Hey, mom. Um, but for over 20 plus years, I haven't spoke to my dad at all. 20, probably longer than that. And um, um, my mom calls me and she says, hey, guess, guess who called? And uh, she says, your dad called. And I don't know about you, but, but um, there are certain words that are just triggers, right? I mean, am I the only one that has trigger words, right? That just, I mean, you have faith in God, but there are trigger words that just get you like, oof, okay. And, um, and so she says, yeah, you know, your, your dad called and, and um, I had to lay down. I said, mom, I don't have the emotional capacity to handle this. I don't. I, I, I don't have it. I can't do this again. I just, I can't go down this road again of being rejected by him. I just can't. And, um, and so my youngest brother said, well, he called me. He called, he called me and I said, okay. So I said, mom, can I have his number? Don't give him my number, but can I have his number? And she says, yeah. And, uh, I was on a two week travel thing and I got back and, um, So I come back and, and I decide, let me, let me give him a call. And, I, and I, I dialed the number. And I don't know about you, but it was like one of the hardest things. You know what I mean? I'm like, because the enemy is saying, what if he rejects you again? And I'm calling the number and the phone rings. And it rings and it rings. No voicemail set up. Come on. Are you serious? No voicemail set up. He's 91. You know what I mean? Come on. At least get someone to set up your voice. Like he's... And so I text him. No response. And the enemy came to me for me to come in agreement. See, he's rejecting you again. He answered your younger brother, didn't he? Come on. This is real stuff. For me to go forward, I got to deal with the freedom I need. The enemy literally said that to me. He answered your younger brother, and he's not answering you. So guess what? He's rejecting you again. And that 24 hours was the hardest time in my life mentally. Outside, I looked like I had it together. But inside, I was like, are you serious? Are you telling me? And I said, God, do you not want me to talk to him then? Is, that, is this you, God? Why? He didn't. Answer or respond to my text. And so at that moment, I could have quit. And said, well, God, that's what it is. But the Lord reminded me, and he says, you preach to your church, don't you? I'm like, yeah. And haven't you preached and told them if there's any hope to, to restore, go for it? I'm like, yeah. He goes, so you got to do it. You got to do it, bro. And I'm like, okay. And so... Um, my brother goes, well, try him on WhatsApp. I'm like, okay. And, and I dial the number again. It's been 24 hours now. I'm dialing the number again. 
and my heart is beating like this. Remember, God told me, go for it. God's got a vision for us. God wants to take us into a community that needs us to bring life back to it. The gathering place was saved by God. Let me tell you that when they were about to shut it down, God says, you keep that door open. Because there's a vision I have. And I'm sitting and making the phone call. And he answers the phone. Amen. (laughs) He answers the phone. He says, hello. And I went back to that 12-year-old kid again. I went right back to that 12-year-old kid. What I, my eyes saw him leaving. And I'm on the phone and I'm like, why did you leave? That was my thought. And God said, don't ask that question. Don't ask that question. The reason why I made you call him. And the reason why I connected you. But there's one thing he's not going to rob from you. He's not going to leave this earth without you saying, I came after you. He's 91. Still drives, still healthy, so that's a good sign for me. Praise God. I'm serious. I say everything is genetic, right? You know what I mean? So, okay, praise God, right? We look at the bad. Let's look at the good, right? You know what I mean? So. I said, he will not go to the grave. And rob me of that. Because I'm going to go forward. I'm going to go forward. You're here this morning. You got to see the goodness of God. You're stuck because you're not seeing the goodness of God. But God is good. And he'll protect you from the fights you're not ready to fight. You know, the Lord said to me, he says, you have no idea where your life would be if he was in your life. you on that one but now he's saved so now he can come into your life come on because it's safe that's the goodness of God I have no idea where I'd be if he was in my life in his condition and God in his goodness has seen the big picture said this he says I am the one who heals I'm the one that gives you the freedom and so God is saying for you to go forward Rowan you've got to understand how good I am and you have to understand see the big picture so with everybody every eyes closed we began our gathering today we're talking about freedom and here we are come full circle Can you see God doing a miracle in your life like he did at the Red Sea? Can you see God and will you give God an opportunity to get glory by seeing how good he is? I'm going to ask you a serious question. This is a question of eternity. If you have never received the free gift of salvation, You must accept it now. You must. You must 
with confidence say, I've received the free gift of salvation that is found in Jesus Christ alone. I just want to stay there for a second because you have to understand the magnitude of that miracle. You have to understand the magnitude of that miracle. That the ultimate goodness of God, he says, you can't fight against your flesh. You can't do it. So I will protect you. I'll fight your battles for you. Receive the free gift of salvation. And there are people that you know, they have never received the free gift of salvation. And they're stuck. For them to go forward, you must present the gospel to them. Can we make a commitment as a church that we're going to share the gospel of freedom to every individual that we meet? That we're going to say, listen, God has a vision for your life. The first vision is who he is. He is the Savior. He is the one that gives you hope. But the second question is this. Is there a trigger in your life that's holding you back in bondage? God wants to deal with that trigger. He wants to set you free. He wants you to cross over the Red Sea so he would get the glory. Give that trigger to God. Because you'll continually pull the trigger and eventually you turn against yourself. He doesn't want that. Whatever head bowed, every eyes closed. If that's you... I want you to just meditate on that and say, God, thank you for your freedom. 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 Thank you for the mustard seed faith to believe for my freedom. Thank you for my freedom. Thank you for my freedom. Thank you, Jesus, for my freedom. In the name of Jesus, there is a city. There is a state. There is a country where God is saying, I want him to see my goodness. I want him to see the big picture of what I'm doing because I will get the glory. I will get the glory. I will get the glory. Give it to God and let him get the glory. Give it to God and let him get the glory in the name of Jesus. If you've experienced this freedom, just go ahead and lift that hand up and give him praise and glory.